Welcome to the Faith Dialogue Podcast with your host, Pastor Ken Baer. Are you ready to swim in the deep end of the Bible pool or climb to the top of Faith Mountain? If so, open the eyes that see, those ears that hear, and a heart that is receptive. Get your cup of coffee and your Bible as we begin. So we've been talking about what? Deliverance, right? First and Second Thessalonians. We call this sermon series Deliverance because in First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 10, it says that God will deliver us, deliver us from the wrath to come. That's one of the things that God does. God delivers us. He's always there for his people. We'll go through some trials, some difficult times, but ultimately God delivers us. And Paul spent a lot of time talking to these brand new believers about the day of the Lord about the second coming. That was 2,000 years ago, so we're still talking about it, but guess what? We're closer now than we've ever been before, right? And tomorrow we'll even be closer. So it's called Deliverance. Now, today's sermon has an unusual title. It's called The Great Deception, The Great Deception. And we're only gonna be focusing on four verses, but before you think it's gonna be a quick sermon, uh, no, no, no. There's a lot to talk about in four verses. There really is. So, but I'll, I'll keep us on track. Now, if you remember, just give you a little review, uh, Paul said there were a couple of things that were going to happen before the time of the day of the Lord. Two things that were going to happen. One was a, a falling away. And we said that's difficult to really put our finger on exactly what he's talking about, except that we know that, that, uh, that many, many people call themselves Christians, but really are not exhibiting the kinds of things that a disciple of Jesus Christ really should exhibit. Jesus Christ himself said, he said this about the last days. He said, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Will he really find faith on the earth? And we see that today. It's so unfortunate that so many of our friends, our neighbors, probably people in your family, are not exhibiting the kind of faith that the scriptures tell us that a true disciple should be exhibiting. Too many Christians are Christians in name only. They've stopped coming to church altogether. Maybe they're what we call the CEO Christians, right? Christmas and Easter only. At least they come those two times. Many, quite frankly, have decided not to enjoy the fellowship that we share. They've decided, uh, like other believers, they don't need to read the Bible. They don't really need to pray. And most unfortunately, they don't gather to, to worship the Lord. Now, the second thing that the Paul said uh, was necessary prior to the uh, day of the Lord was that the sin of man would be revealed. And we talked about this, a little, this person a little bit. We'll talk about it more today. This is called the man of lawlessness, also known as the man of perdition. Um, and, and this lawlessness is being restrained. Remember, we talked about that last week. It's being restrained. And I gave you three really good scriptural reasons last week why we believe that the person that the one, the, the, the thing that restrains this, this man of lawlessness and lawlessness in general is the body of Christ, is the body of Christ. And that body of Christ is going to be removed. We will be removed prior, that's prior to the tribulation, um, because we're the ones that are the restraining one. So that catches us up. Today, as I said, we'll be looking at just four verses in 2 Thessalonians. So if you have your Bibles, we'll be in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we'll be beginning at verse number 9. It says this, The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, 
and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that, all, that they all may be condemned who did not receive the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So Paul talks again today, he's, he's starting again, talking about this, this lawless one. He's spending some time talking about this, this man of perdition. Now we know him probably best as either the Antichrist or the beast. He's called the beast in the, the book of, of Revelation. Now he says that he's doing these things according to the working of Satan. That's where the beast gets his power. The Antichrist will come with power, with signs, and with lying wonders. Now these words, power, Signs, lying wonders, what do they refer to? Well, they refer to things that are not natural. They are supernatural. They're actually miraculous. They're not natural phenomenons. They are actually miracles. Paul calls them lying wonders. And he calls them lying wonders because they pretend to be divine, to be from God, but they're not. They're actually from Satan. Now, some commentaries that I read um, tell us that these are false miracles, but that's not entirely correct because they truly are a miracle. It's just that they're not from God. They're supernatural. And you remember, if you remember the story in Exodus, remember the story in Exodus and Moses and Aaron come to Pharaoh and they say, let my people go. <clears throat> and what does the Pharaoh say? Not so quick, right? Not so quick. So God gave them the ability to do certain wonders in front of Pharaoh so that Pharaoh would understand that, that they're by the, speaking by the authority of God. So God instructed Moses and Aaron to throw down Aaron's staff upon their first meeting with the ruler. Aaron did so, and the staff turned into a snake. Remember the movie? It's turned into a snake. But what did the magicians do? They threw their, their staffs down also, and they turned to snakes. Now, kind of a, a funny twist in it, Aaron's snake swallowed up their snakes, okay? Kind of showing who's the bigger, who's the bigger uh, miracle here. Um, that was the, and also the first plague. The first plague that Moses did was to turn the water in the Nile to blood. But the magicians were also able to turn water into blood as well. They were able to mimic these miracles that Aaron was doing. Then Moses, in the second plague, released a horde of frogs all over Egypt among the Egyptian people. But the magicians also summoned their own frogs. Now, from my perspective, a greater miracle would have been to get rid of the frogs, right? I mean, that would have been better. Thanks a lot, magicians. All you did was create more frogs. But God wouldn't permit that. You see, God allows Satan to do some of these wonders, but God limits Satan on what he can do. Now, as, as miraculous or as wondering, as, as a much of a wonder that these magicians were able to do during the time of Moses, that's really nothing compared to what the Antichrist will be able to do. Nothing at all. In Revelation chapter 13, the Apostle John tells us that the Antichrist is mortally wounded and he dies, but he actually comes back to life. Revelation 13.3 says this. It says, One of the heads of the beast seemed to have a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was filled with wonder and followed the beast. Now, this is, of course, A, if not the great deception. That's our title for today, is The Great Deception. And it's, of course, Satan's way of mimicking the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Satan's trying to mimic 
what God was able to do in Jesus Christ. Again, it's a great deception. But really, it's not beyond the ability of Satan to actually work a miracle, including even a resurrection. It says that it seems like he had a mortal wound, so it may just be sleight of hand. But it's not beyond Satan's ability to actually work a miracle. But how and why? Well, the Antichrist, like the magicians of Pharaoh, received their power from Satan. Now, Satan is no match for God, but Satan was Lucifer, formerly one of God's chief angels. And he has the kind, uh, God permits for some reason, Satan to have this kind of power, but ultimately it's always for God's glory, ultimately. So the Antichrist will be able to do these miracles with the objective to deceive those who dwell on the earth. Now, his work is further described in Revelation chapter 13, beginning in verse 13. It says, he performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven. Kind of Elijah, right? And so that the earth and the sight of man. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he has granted to do in the sight of the beast. Telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image of the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. And he was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would worship the image of the beast to be killed, would not. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their forehead, so that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark on the name of the beast or the number of his name. You've heard of the mark of the beast. This is where it comes from. At the, in the end times, it's Antichrist, through this great deception, will make people worship the Antichrist, make him worship him as if he's God. And the idea is, is that nobody, unless you have the mark of the beast, will you be able to buy or sell. And quite frankly, this was kind of difficult to understand until COVID came along, right? You know, because you've got people in New York, you've got people in different places that you can't go in unless you've got a certain sign. And I'm not saying at all that COVID or our masks or our vaccines are any way the mark of the beast. But now we start to understand. Just like when we go to Disney and we see the animatronics and the talking statues and things like that, we can start to understand exactly what the Antichrist will try to, to pull off. So again, this is the, what's the purpose of this deception? What's the whole purpose? What is God trying to do? Well, Paul tells us in the verse we read earlier that, that this is with the unrighteous deception among those who perish it. These are the people on the earth who dwell on the earth that are perishing, meaning they haven't turned to the truth. They haven't believed the truth, and instead they decided to believe a lie. And there's a couple lessons we can learn here. One of those is that just because it appears that someone has spiritual power or can, or can perform signs or even wonders, those are not enough to prove that they are from God. Satan has, can, and will perform his own lying wonders. This is a great deception that Jesus spoke of at the end times. In Matthew 24, the apostles come to Jesus and they ask Jesus about, to, tell, to tell him about what's going to happen just before he returns. They say, tell us, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and the sign of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. Now, the beginning of the tribulation is marked by this, this great deception. 
Not only will there be widespread deception by a proliferation of false Christs and lying wonders, but I really believe that the deception is also tied to this, this falling away. It's exacerbated. It even becomes even much more prominent. Uh, there's a general uh, falling away, a general deception in the world just prior to the end times. The prophet Isaiah said this. I think I've got a slide on it, in fact. Yes, Isaiah says this. He says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. That's chapter 5 of Isaiah. That sounds like today, doesn't it? I mean, in many ways, that's what we see. Sometimes you'll turn on the TV or listen to the news, and what we hear is just plain foolishness. I'm not talking about the paid, the talking heads, the people that are just reading the news. I'm talking about even our elected officials. I'm talking about the people in Washington, the people in our state capitals. Sometimes they say things and we say, that's just this foolishness. What they're saying doesn't make any sense at all. I think sometimes those that are in charge of our, our systems, even our health systems and disease control, sometimes what they say just doesn't make any sense. They're so quick to change their mind on certain things, we realize that sometimes they're just speaking words. Uh, there's no wisdom there at all. They, the Bible says they profess to be wise, but they become, become fools. Now, remember this great deception, this warning by Paul is to those that are dwelling on the earth during the end times. Now, this will not include the believers in the church age. They'll have either died or been raptured before the tri tribulation. During the tribulation, God will still have a people. God has always had a people. And there's a purpose to the tribulation. God will turn his heart towards Israel. And we know that many will come to a knowledge of Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God, and they will be saved during the tribulation. The Bible also speaks of 144,000 144, evangelists, missionaries that are sent out, anointed by God and sent out from all 12 tribes of Israel. Did you know that in the world today, there's only about 50, 50 to 60,000 missionaries? Only. 50, that's a lot. 50 to 60,000 worldwide. During the tribulation, there'll be 144,000 sealed by God to go out to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. We'll also see a countless number of new believers that come to faith in Christ that die during the tribulation. They're under the altar and they cry out for vengeance from God. But there's a number of people that come to faith in Christ even while there's a deception going on. Jesus tells us that for those who are in the faith, for those who have decided to follow Jesus, it will be impossible for them to be deceived. Jesus says in Matthew 24, the same chapter that I read earlier, in verse 24 he says, For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will do great miracles and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, the very elect would be deceived. By saying that, what it means is that it is not possible for those that are saved, for those that are the elect, to be able to be deceived. Now, that is that while they are God's elect saved during the tribulation, that does not apply, however, to those of us that are alive today, okay? Because the deception has always been rampant. Deception's always been something. This is what Paul was writing to the Thessalonians about, that they would not be deceived and hear these stories by other people as if somebody had read them, wrote them a letter pretending to be from Paul. He didn't want them to be deceived. So in closing... Let me leave you with some, what I consider, constructive comments. 
I think I've got a few here. While the great deception refers to those deceived in the tribulation, we still want to be careful today. Just because something appears to be miraculous or maybe even good or good luck doesn't mean it's from God. And quite frankly, much of that should be avoided. You don't want to be deceived. So the first thing we want to avoid are things like good luck charms. I, I, was, I was telling some friends that back when I was just a, a young boy, I played baseball on a team. And if we were behind in the seventh inning, we would take our hats and we would turn them around backwards. Did you guys ever do that? Turn them around backwards. It's called a rally hat, right? And the idea was he turned around. And sometimes we'd come back, okay? We would be down five runs and we'd come back and Ken Bear would get up and homer. No, Ken Bear would usually get up and strike out. But anyway, we would turn our hats around, right? And, and, and it would be a time for a rally. Well, that was relatively harmless. But there are many things that people do because they're superstitious. If I asked you by a show of hands, and I'm not going to, how many people are superstitious, many of you would raise your hands because superstition is just seems to be a part of who we are. But this is what the Lord says. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. I am against your magic charms, which, which will ensnare my people. God knows that sometimes what we consider luck is just leading us astray. astray. It kind of reminds me of a story. Maybe you've heard this story. There's a, there's a family that moves into a new neighborhood, and they really like the neighborhood. It's, it seems like really nice neighbors, new houses, and just a really nice place to live. The next morning, they get up, and they hear this banging, bang, 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 bang going on. And man, waking up with his children, it's, it's just daybreak. And what, my Lord, what is that? Well, sure enough, the next day, bang, 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 all these, this noise going on. So the third day, the guy gets up early, and he goes outside to see what the noise is, and it's his neighbor. And his neighbor is banging on pots and pans. So he comes over and says, hey, man, what are you doing? It's, it's just daybreak. All this banging is driving us crazy. What are you doing banging on these pots and pans? So his neighbor says, well, I'm scaring away the elephants. Man says, man, there's no elephants around here. He says, see, it's working. Bam, bam, bam. And see, that's what happens with good luck charms. Sometimes we do something and we get our desired result and we think it's because of the good luck charm. Have you ever heard about burying St. Joseph upside down? Yeah. You have. You've heard it. Oh, my goodness. So for those of you that aren't aware of this superstition, if, if the idea is this, is if you're trying to sell your house, the idea is you take a statue. You can get it on, at, on eBay or Amazon. You can buy these silly statues, okay, little plastic statues. And you bury it upside down, and your house will sell. Well, why do houses sell? Houses sell when a buyer wants to pay you what you're offering for the house. That's Houses sell because a buyer and seller gets together at a price. It has nothing to do with the statue in the backyard. Okay, these, these things are not helpful for Christians, okay? These banging on pots and pans and, and again, even bearing St. Joseph upside down, they're just superstitions, and God is against those superstitions. Superstitions. Now, the third thing, and I'm going to kind of group them all together, and that's astrology, the zodiac, psychics, and fortune-telling. Uh, God has a lot to say about this. Now, the signs in the sky, okay, these astrological signs, the planets and the moons, God says were given to be for signs and for seasons. That's Genesis 1.14. They're also meant to mark time for us. And if you're a sailor, they, supposedly the sailors are able to see the stars and get a sextant out and be able to tell exactly where they are. I'm not, I'm not sure how they do it, but I've never been a navigational 
proponents, so I've never even tried to, to learn how to do it. But it's good for them. But these zodiac signs, there's people that get up in the morning and the first thing they do is they check their sign to see whether they're going to get out of bed or they're going to do anything today. They're, they're putting more stock in the, what the, somebody says the zodiac sign says for them than what the Spirit of God says for you. Our normal bulletin says, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Every day is from the Lord. When we start relying on zodiac signs, when we start re relying on psychics, we start calling 900 numbers and finding out what our future is going to be because somebody in California is telling us our fortune. Uh, that's not good. The Bible says this, and this includes witchcraft, sorcery, psychics, fortune-telling, and even the thing burning your sons and daughter in a fire. It says this. This is Deuteronomy chapter 18. It says, There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering, anyone who practices divination, or tells fortunes, or interprets omens, or a sorcerer. You know, today, so we, we spoke about the great deception of the last days, during the tribulation period, before the day of the Lord. Remember that this delusion or unrighteous deception, as the Bible says, comes among those who perish. And then the next verse says, because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved. The truth is that Jesus is Lord, that he died on the cross for our sins in order to pay the sin of mankind. And because of that, we have the ability to have a relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ. In 1 John, verses 11 and 12, Scripture says, and this is the testimony, God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. Be wary of being deceived. Let's pray. So, Father God, we want to thank you. Thank you, Lord, today that even though we've only got... You've been listening to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors, a ministry of Faith Dialogue. You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org. 